So to whatever degree I make you uncomfortable when I play some of these comments from demented people like uh, Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, who says that uh, you don't dare stigmatize men who get monkeypox from rampant sex with other men in nightclubs through holes and partitions in restrooms. However uncomfortable I make you playing that cut, describing what he's talking about as someone else's joy or a festival, not deviant behavior. Uh, I do it because this has crept into our culture and threatens to overwhelm us unless we stiffen our backbones and stand up against it right now. Elon Musk buying Twitter gave us a powerful tool in having these kinds of conversations on a widespread social media platform. Uh, I'm not sure that you or I really understand how important it was that Musk took a financial bath on buying Twitter to preserve free speech. But you know who does understand it? Uh, the head of GLAD, which is a LGBT organization, Sarah Kate Ellis, the president and CEO of GLAD. They got Instagram, they've got Snapchat, they got Twitch, they got Facebook, they got Meta. But boy, they really don't like it that they no longer have Twitter. So there is incremental improvement on all of them except for Twitter, which hmm. did lose significantly statistically, excuse me, significant progress. And what's really sad here is that Twitter actually used to be the leader. We sat on their trust and safety council, but Elon Musk has turned Twitter into a weapon against the LGBTQ community, and he leads the charge. I literally leads the charge with with tweeting out anti-trans um, rhetoric misinformation about the trans community and the LGBTQ community. The misinformation that Elon Musk tweets is that men cannot become women and women cannot become men. That is not misinformation. That is truth. They don't like it because it doesn't dovetail with their agenda, but it is nevertheless true. They have no argument to disprove its truth, so they don't attempt to wage one. Likewise, here in our local media, you're being bombarded every day with things that are asserted as true, which are not true. I took note of a story in the dispatch by the uh, decidedly leftist editor of their opinion pages. Her name is Amelia Robinson. The headline on the story, when you're bashing drag performers, you're bashing the culture. Well, I guess, yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm not bashing drag performers. I'm bashing them trying to recruit little kids as patrons of their deviant shows and uh, acts. The drag performers existed for a long time. And they weren't under the radar. They were above the radar. It's just nobody paid any attention to them. But once they started to say, you know, We'd love to have some kids come to our shows. We'd like to perform for little kids. We'd like to twerk and thrust our pelvis around and depict sex acts in front of little kids. That's what we would like to do. And you should let us do that because if you don't, you're bashing the culture. No, we're bashing your demented idea of what's appropriate for a little kid. But here's the story 
in the dispatch written by Amelia Robinson, and it starts with a familiar tactic on the left. Let's say something that is not true, or let's say something to tell people how silly they are for even caring about this issue. So her story about drag begins, the art of drag has a very long history. In other words, so it's okay. What are you upset about? It's been around forever. (laughs) In recent years, she writes, drag queens and kings have been pulled into the culture wars. Oh, have they been pulled into the culture wars? Or have they bashed their way into the culture wars? By trying to expand their audience to include kids. Oh, but Amelia Robinson is not going to let you think about that for even one hot second because two paragraphs later she writes this. No, this is not about kids and story time. Actually, that's 100% what it's about, Amelia and all the other drag queens you speak to in this story. It's all part of a series that they call Columbus Conversations. You know what I noticed they never talk about in Columbus Conversations? They never talk about anything that is intertwined with morality, common sense, biblical values, traditional norms. None of those are worth Amelia Robinson's woke time for Columbus Conversations because all of them would uphold things that are good, true, beautiful, and virtuous, which she has no interest in. Also, later on in the story, we invited drag entertainers to discuss, demystify, and debunk misconceptions about their craft. Oh, is that what it is? A craft? Or is it a weird, creepy, damaging, deviant behavior that they engage in? Oh, it's a craft, like a guy who can take a piece of wood and turn it on a lathe and make it into a beautiful piece of furniture. It's the drag is the same thing, the exact same thing as that. No, not even close. So she talks to men who think they are women who like to dress up as garish misrepresentations of what true femininity looks like. One of them is named Corey Williams. It goes by the stage name Anissa Love, a drag artist and activist. Oh, really? I'm surprised you'd admit it. Recently named Ohio ambassador for the nonprofit Drag Out to Vote. Gee, I bet I know what, but I can predict which group Corey will benefit. Oh, yep, there it is. Kaleidoscope Youth Center, where they recruit young kids into this demonic activity. She also talks to a guy named Josh Stuckey, a retired school teacher and member of the Ruby Girls, which Amelia Robinson describes as a comedy drag troupe that has raised more than $3 million for a host of causes that include breast cancer, animal care, hospice, and HIV and AIDS prevention. Well, I mean, if they raise money for all that, they can't be bad, can they? Seems to me I remember decades of glowing stories about Penn State assistant football coach Jerry Sandusky. And how he was doing so many great things for the boys' clubs in central Pennsylvania and eastern Pennsylvania. Until we found out Jerry Sandusky was a pervert 
and a rapist. Amelia Robinson also writes about Caleb Michaela Robinson, who drew national attention after her December Holly Drag story time was canceled due to threats and a protest by members of the Proud Boys, a far-right neo-fascist organization. Uh, Also, the perversion of the Christmas story caused concerned Christians to show up that day and also protest. But of course, if you protest drag, you have to be horrible and evil. The problem has to be you, not the people who are trying to recruit little kids. And then she quotes Corey Williams, who says, it's not my job to teach you. It's your job as an adult to want to educate yourself. (laughs) Sorry, Corey. I'm educated. Men shouldn't want to cavort around, twerk, and thrust their pelvis in the face of little children. That is criminal, perverted, and evil. And you're never going to educate me out of that. Corey says, the problem we have is with adults who are choosing to push their views in the hardest and nastiest ways on their children. Yeah, because we love our kids and we'd like to protect them from psychological damage and particularly from physical damage that pedophiles have designs on them for. The story is so filled with lies and inaccuracies. So see, it's not just some freak politician in Ireland. It's right here at home, too. Oh, boy. Corinne Jean-Pierre has been in the job of White House press secretary for a year. You don't want to miss what she says about her tenure as White House press secretary. And we will get to that. But first, I want to get to someone I don't want to miss, Michael in Columbus. You can call the show, 844-TALK-989. Michael did. Now he's on the air. Hi, Michael. Hey, good talking to you here. And uh, just really want to commend you for the way you attack these stupid things like this Dre Queen nonsense and the L-B-Q-G-T, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, the Alphabet Mafia. Yep. I mean, uh, you're, you're one of the guys that, that tells it the way it is, and uh, people that are knowledgeable and uh, logical, you know, just love to hear you talk because you're you're right on top of these things every day. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. That uh, strengthens me greatly, and I, uh, I'm i not immune to enjoying affirmation. Um. I think these are important topics. I think it's important that uh, people like you and me know that we're not alone and that we're not crazy. So um, I do it because I feel like it's a calling to be here. And I feel like um, to whatever degree God's given me a gift of communication um, and the ability to um, have insight and communication with him through reading the Bible and praying and uh, spending time with other people. Uh, strong believers. Uh, It's my duty as long as I'm here to share my best attempt to steward this platform in a way that glorifies him. Uh, I don't want anybody to be uh, mean or hateful toward people who are uh, out of communion with God. But when the LGBTQ movement is attempting to recruit kids to their ideology. 
And then they label those of us who are trying to rescue kids from that empty way of life. Um, I can get very upset with being told I'm hateful, intolerant, on and on and on and on, when it is in fact those of us who would like to be able to rescue kids from that empty lifestyle, who are the compassionate ones, who are the ones who genuinely love them. And I have uh, people that I know who are trapped in the LGBTQ lifestyle, and I pray for them often that God will spin the treadmill of their life and bring them back to him, because I know that the people that I know who are in that lifestyle know the truth, and I just hope that they make the same decision that many of us have made, which is to become intentional about obeying the Word of God. Not because we're trying to earn our own salvation. That's impossible. We are born with a sin nature. We cannot, on our own and in our own strength, achieve the perfection that a holy God uncorruptible God requires of us. The only way we can have fellowship with him is if we are cleansed by what Jesus did on our behalf at the cross. And it is as simple as understanding our own depravity, our own disqualification, but our also understanding our own access to Christ's perfection through claiming his sacrifice on our behalf. That's the miracle of the gospel. Simple enough for anyone to understand, so it's therefore fair to everyone, for everyone to be held accountable to it. And then because you've been spared the eternal consequences of your sin, which is banishment, and no communication with God, no access to anything good from God, and everything that's good is from God, once you understand what you've been spared, then it becomes much, much, much easier to live the way he tells you to live because you are indwelt by his spirit. You are indwelt by the power that raised Jesus from the cross. You are given the mind of Christ. There are many different labels that are applied to the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and all of them empower us to be far more than we could ever be in our own strength. So that is why I do this, and I appreciate very much your kind words. Uh, these words I don't appreciate so much. They are from Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, marking herself, hmm, quite humbly, as a historically historic figure, as the first black lesbian uh, foreign-born press secretary. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things that made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure, and I certainly walk in history every day. But this is also a historic making administration because of this president. Mm, historically historic. So historic. If only she could be competent. In addition to being historic. If only she wasn't an unrepentant serial liar, in addition to being so historic. Now, that would be great. Uh, now, I got cut off at the end of hour number one playing you the uh, interesting, shall we say, introduction of John Fetterman for Joe Biden. 
at the I-95 bridge overpass in Philadelphia that collapsed. Uh, I, I, I should take the time to transcribe this introduction from Fetterman because it is one of the great introductions of Joe Biden of all time. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation Ooh. to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. Uh, the irony of him uh, introducing the president next to a collapsed bridge, there's irony there. <laughs> the delegation there to see it. They are not only, they are going to fix it quick and fast as well, he said. And they are committed to infruction, whatever that is. I hope he, I hope he elucidated those syllables very clearly. Or he might be in violation of FCC rules. The infraction. And then he talked about the infraction bill. Nothing to see here. John Fetterman is fine. Uh, so is Joe Biden, who ended his speech uh, on gun control in uh, this curious fashion. As that, uh, that scene in the John Wayne movie, don't make me a dog-faced lion pony soldier. <laughs> God save the queen, man. God save the queen, man. Uh, that has gone into my uh, Joe Biden Hall of Fame. It is a uh, highly populated Hall of Fame. Let me see here. What else do I have in there? Um, well, I have this one. Let's call it up. See if we can end the show with this one. Anyway, so there's... there, there, there But I, I don't... I must tell you, I don't have... A near-term answer. Hmm. Or a far-term answer. Or any answers. Yes. Thanks for your time. I'll be back tomorrow.